This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Offense, defense, what position groups are the most important to have a good 2022 season for the Steelers to have success on the... We're going to dive into that right here, right now on this episode of the Steelers Standard. We're going to start with the offensive side of the ball. And again, to be clear, when we rank these position groups, I'm not ranking them as far as these have the best players in the unit, this is the most skill that you have on this side of the ball. I'm ranking them on which group I feel needs to have the best season in order for the Pittsburgh Steelers to have success on the field. In in, 2022. In 2022. Just looking at it through the lens of the upcoming season. We're not... We're not thinking about future potential. We're not thinking about any of that. We're not thinking about how the offense might look in three years when they have a different quarterback. It's just a matter of this season. And I start on the offense with the offensive line. We're starting starting at number one here. Yes. We're not building our way up. No, we're starting at number one. And I start at number one on offense with that offensive line. I think that the Steelers are going to be a very run-first football team this year. I also think that they're going to have a lot of interesting, you know, bootleg play action things going on when it comes to their passing game. A lot of quick passes are going to be the MO of the Steelers offense this season. So I think an offensive line that's athletic enough to play that kind of bootleg play action style, as well as one that's nasty enough to play a downhill run blocking style, mm-hmm. is just so crucial for them to have any kind of success this year. So I put them right at the top of my list as far as most important unit on the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. I think it all starts with them. I really think that if they have a real market improvement from last year to this year, even though you've taken a step back at the quarterback position and you've lost a couple wide receivers now, James Washington, Juju, and Mm -hmm. Ray Ray, I really think that a good offensive line can mask a lot of that. And I'm not saying it's going to carry this team to 12 wins, but I think if the offensive line plays above average football, you can flirt with the eight or nine win mark on the season. So I think that that is the number one head honcho most important thing for me is that this offensive line starts to gel and that these new additions come in, Mason Cole, James Daniels, they fit in seamlessly almost, and you start to see week after week after week after week mm-hmm. getting better, more cohesion, and the the unit becoming one, if you will, becoming a a complete an organism that thinks with the same brain and everybody knows what everybody else is doing on a given play. So at the very top of my list, I got to put that offensive line. I just think it's so, so damn important, obviously for any team, but especially for a team like the Steelers, that young quarterback who's unproven in Mason or young quarterback who has some proven to him, but needs to prove it again in Mitch and a stud running back. I, it's clear to me that, that line is going to be the lifeblood for this offense. I think we can highlight specific players. Like we we said in a previous episode, Najee Harris is going to be the best player on offense. However, <clears throat> if you take Najee Harris out of the equation and replace him with a combination of like a Benny Snell or Kalen Balage, if you improve the offensive line. I know that the the talent drop between Najee and those other backups is huge mm-hmm. and maybe the biggest drop off from between any position group of the starter to the backups. However, I do think that collectively five guys on the offensive line 
improving from the season that the five guys, whatever the combination was for a majority of 2021, can do a lot for your team. And I think we're on the same page here saying it can do the most for your team. Yes. But then especially when you don't even remove Najee Harris from the equation, you keep that part constant and you improve the offensive line, then you're unlocking another level to Najee Harris's game. Yeah, he I mean, was already, already a top five har- running back yeah. last year. Wow, getting harassed in the backfield constantly, getting hit you, all the time. You give him better protection up front, and people are no longer saying, oh, wow, Najee Harris, yeah, really good rookie. Uh, Jamar Chase was clearly the rookie of the year, and Najee Harris was fun to watch, but it was clearly Jamar Chase. If you give Najee Harris a legitimate offensive line, People are not going to be saying, oh, he could have been in the running for rookie of the year. He's going to be saying offensive player of the year. I agree. I think he's going to nip at the heels of Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry Mm -hmm. as far as running backs concerned. But what's going to separate him is the all-around aspect of his game. Sure. Henry and Taylor can catch the ball out of the backfield, but they don't do that. They're run between the tackles. This guy guy can do that and catch the ball out of the backfield. In his first year, eclipsed 1,500 yards from scrimmage by going nearly 1,000 yards on the ground and 500 yards receiving. He had the most combined touches of any running back in the NFL this year. As a rookie. Rushing and receptions combined. Uh, The more comp that I look for him is like Alvin Kamara. Like that's the oh, kind absolutely. of running back. No, that I think I we, we said as, that yeah. as we saw the season unfold and we really saw Najee improve that part of his game. I I don't know if you could say improve because he was al- already a great pass catcher as a running back, but you saw it more prevalent in game than you did at the beginning of the season. We said, Yeah, it's there's no need to compare him to, to Taylor or to 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 Henry, it's Alvin Kamara because he's been the guy who's been the standard at running back of going the 1,000 yards on the ground, 500 yards receiving. Well, you know, speaking of the running back, the hogs up front are my number one most important position, but number two is that running back spot. Because and it's, it's specifically Najee Harris. Because of, like I said, mm-hmm. this is going to be a run-first, uh, play-action-pass kind of offense here. At least that's what we're envisioning it being. And he's going to be the straw that stirs that drink as far as that's concerned. His rushing prowess is going to make that play-action pass work a lot better because he's been so dominant on the ground. And he's going to be useful in the passing game as a safety valve for whichever young quarterback starts, whether it be the Mason Rudolph or the Mitch Trubisky route. So I think Najee Harris is the number two most important piece. And the only reason why he's not number one is just because he can't do everything you want him to do if the guys up front aren't clearing space for him. We saw that last year, like you really just illustrated. So he's got to be my number two most important person on this offense. But as far as the position group is concerned with running back, I'm nervous as far as the depth there because we've talked a lot about how uh, Benny Snell just doesn't right. seem like he's the guy that can be a spell back, can take six or seven carries a game away from Najee and make sure that the body – doesn't get completely worn down by game 16, game 17. So I, I I think they still need to improve that room. But at the very top, it's one of the best in football. And it's going to be on his shoulders to make a lot of plays happen in the offense this year if the Steelers want to win 8, 9, 10 football games. It's going to be Derrick Henry kind of load-carrying-esque when it comes to that, except maybe even more in the Steelers' case. Right. I think in terms of, uh, unless you're avoiding, hopefully avoiding worst-case scenario, he has some horrible, horrible injury. Right, which we don't. No, we don't need to hypothesize. No speculation. Right, right. 
you're going to be watching the Steelers in the next coming seasons view the running back in the draft the same way they've viewed the quarterback position for the last two decades. It won't last two decades because that's not the shelf life of the running like back. Four or five years, but yeah, you're right. They won't. They're just going to say, "Not. We don't have to look at it until maybe the sixth, seven round of if there's some guy who's a floater who we could see fitting into our system well and working well with our coaching staff." But that's what you have in Najee Harris. You have a surefire thing. You have no reason to blow that up or or to bring in someone else to help him out. You don't need him. He's not a running back by committee kind of guy. He is a I'm going to lead the NFL in touches in my rookie year kind of guy and still come out unscathed by it. I'm looking at the free agency list right now as far as running backs are concerned. It's really not that great. And there's who's it? Melvin Gordon. Like, I don't know who is still available right now. They. Melvin Gordon is the only still available. Yeah. Tariq Cohen's still available. Cohen. David Johnson is still available. David Johnson's not a bad one. 30 years old, so he's not like going to threaten Najee He also was sent to Houston, not the best team, not the best franchise to join. 1.4 average annual salary for market value is what the estimation is. I, that's where I would go. I would sign David Johnson. That's a really solid backup. And to be quite honest with you, if that terrible scenario played out where Najee missed a game or two, David Johnson's much better option than Benny Snell to, oh, to for carry sure. the ball. David four, Johnson, times a game. David Johnson was in the running for Offensive Player of the Year a couple of years ago. Sonny Michelle's still out there. Yeah. Uh, Philip Lindsay, who's kind of looking for a career revival after going to Miami and not really doing that great there. After I mean, he was also in, in Houston, but he was yeah. also in Houston with David Johnson. They I, just both kind of sputtered there. I think David Johnson's the one for me. That would be cool. the free agent. That not I even Melvin Gordon, because Melvin yeah. Gordon's not so bad. And you know, you know, you know, Denver is going to get say, rid of We him. don't need him. Yeah, let's look at that market value for Melvin Gordon because that's the one part that I hesitated on. I figured, oh, this guy's going to be a lot more expensive to pay than David Johnson is, just because he's a little bit younger, and it's already four million dollars more. Oh, five point yeah. two nope. average annual salary compared to one point four million. David Johnson can do everything you need Melvin Gordon to do as. That's kind of the route that I would go in because you don't have to waste the late draft pick on it. To be quite honest with you, I don't know if you're going to draft a running back in the fifth, sixth, seventh round and have him even beat Benny Snell out this coming season. And you need someone to come in this coming season and beat out Benny Snell. So, you know what? I'm on the Duke train. I think Duke Johnson would be a really good fit here in Pittsburgh. David, David Johnson. David, the David Duke Johnson's the other one from Cleveland who is still a free agent as well. But I want David right. Johnson. That's the, the Johnson that I want. And as far as if the Steelers even are thinking about going out and signing another running back, who knows? That might not be the case. They might have a lot of faith in Benny Snell. But that running back group, like I said, is the second most important position offensively for this team. And I think you need to bolster it a little bit with a a guy behind Najee that can carry the load. Not like he does, but takes not carry the load, take some of the burden off of Najee Harris. Help help him carry that load up the mountaintop. So I would definitely look into that. If that does happen... If if Steelers do pull the trigger on a David on like Johnson, like a one year two million dollar deal for David Johnson, I I think you can just say okay, no need to talk about the running back room. Yeah, it's so set. Really, it's... until hopefully nothing bad happens. Yeah, exactly. I think it would be a really solid, complete running back room. Then, if that's the case, Benny Snell bumps down to your third running back, or exactly, and, and that's and that's the best part about is the fact that it's not like. In 2021, when the Steelers were talking about quarterbacks a lot, even though they had their starter in Big Ben, it was, oh no, uh, not oh no, but ooh, I wonder what's going to happen. Is it going to be Dwayne Haskins at two? Is it going to be Mason Rudolph at two? If you pull in a guy like David Johnson, Najee one, Johnson at two, let Benny fight for his life 
and Anthony McFarlane do the same for that number three position. There's really no need to spend any time talking about it if you pull in a guy like David Johnson. Now, there's two position groups left, and I bet a lot of people are thinking I'm going to go quarterback here with my third most important. Quarterback's my least important position group as far as this season is concerned. I think the pass catchers are just a slightly more important than that. I think you want to see big seasons from Chase and Deontay just because mm-hmm. you want to see those guys get back on the right track. And I think Pat Fryermuth, you just want to see take a big step forward as far as being a playmaking tight end is mm-hmm. concerned. As far as how important those three are to this offense, like I said, I think it's really going to be a lot of Najee and a lot of the running game that's going to dictate this offense now. Claypool and Johnson could be a part of that running attack if you want to get creative with some end arounds or lining them up in the backfield, a la Debo Samuel in San Francisco. But I really think that as far as if you want to be successful this coming season, it can't be throwing the ball 45, 50 times a game. It's got to be a lot less than that, and that's why I just think that the pass catchers aren't as important as far as the O-line and the running back room is concerned. And then quarterback I would put last just because it's kind of win-win, like I've said a lot. Mitch is great. That's awesome. We got another quarterback. We have him under contract for another year, and maybe this is our guy for the next five or six years. Mitch is terrible. We pick high in the draft, and we figure out what quarterback we want to take in a loaded draft class. So that's why I put them at the very back of the list. I Because I don't don't think that it's necessary. Like, it'd be great if they were good, whoever it is, Rudolph or Mitch, but it's not terrible, and it won't keep me up at night if they're not that great. So for me, this ranking kind of falls under the a tier system. Mm-hmm. You have the top tier, which is the offensive line and the running backs, and I think we can agree that the offensive line needs to be the most improved just because of we know how, how much it hindered the overall team last year. And then that second tier, it's wide receivers and quarterbacks, but I could go either way of saying quarterback three, receiver three, or or receiver four, or quarterback four, receiver three. Does that make sense? Yes, because it does. I think it's a very symbiotic relationship, a receiver and a quarterback. You could say that, oh, you need the receivers to be the best, the better of the two units, because if you have the offensive line clicking and gelling and doing well in both pass and run protection, you have Najee Harris elevating his game from not just the top five or six running back, but maybe the top two or or the number one running back in the league. If you add weapons via the receiver receiver room or just overall pass catchers with Pat Fryermuth thrown into the equation, a quarterback can do a lot with all those pieces gelling. However, if you want to make the argument that the quarterback room should be number three, it's, well, if the quarterback stinks, then all those pieces that you've built that you've built up and have brought in could be for naught because if the quarterback can't operate with the offense effectively, then you're going to sputter. So I, I, I think it's very clear. Offensive line, number one. Running backs, number two. And then I could flip-flop between, at number three, between the quarterback and, yeah, and the pass catchers. there's a big gulf between those Sure, two. absolutely. Defensive side of the ball, I got to go with the defensive line as the most important part uh, of this defense, just simply because it was their biggest weakness, I think, last year. I, I mean, you could argue inside linebacker was also a pretty big weakness last year, but... I don't think the inside linebackers look as bad as they did last year if the defensive line was doing good enough stopping the run. If you get either, not both, but just either, Stefan Tuitt or Tyson Alualu back. And you're going to. You're going to get one You're You're not going to be ranked what? What do they finish? 32nd? I think they were dead last, yeah. And rushing defense? You're not anywhere near. I think you're at at the very worst half halfway, 16. 
Yeah, and that's why I think it's so important for them to get that defensive line back on track because their pass defense was actually pretty good last it was, year. I think it was like top 10, top 12. So like they were good at stopping the pass and limiting people through the air, but Dalvin Cook just ran absolutely wild against them. Ran for over 200 yards in the first half. Right, so like that was the obvious biggest hole no pun intended, in the Steelers' defense last year was that defensive line and its ability to stop the run. So I think that is number one on the list. Mucho importante (laughs) as far as what they can do to improve upon last year's defense. It's got to be number one defensive line, most important piece, because without those guys up front stopping the run, you're just going to see a lot of the same stuff as last year where the Steelers just get gashed on the ground, have trouble getting off the field, and... When an offense is running the ball on you at their will, it just makes their life a lot easier because they're wearing you down. Of course. And Killing the clock. They're running high percentage mm-hmm. plays that you know have a very, very, very low chance of, of turning the ball over because NFL running backs have some of the best ball security in the entire world. So, I mean, look, at, look at Najee Harris. Yeah, had he one fumble until the last game of the year right. against the Kansas City Chiefs when he was injured. So like that was his only fumble. Right, he went the entire regular season without a fumble. Still hasn't fumbled in the regular season. As an NFL player, knock on wood, hopefully that keeps going into historic kind of territory as Mm -hmm. far as that's concerned. But, yeah, I I just think that you look at that defensive line, and like you said, even if it's just Alu-Alu coming back, because that's the thing. Like, if it's just one, it's him. Mm -hmm. There's no two that comes back and Alu-Alu doesn't. I think Hayward and Alu-Alu are pretty for sure going to be there. Right. It's the number 91 that's the big question. Like you said, even if it's just Alu Alu and, and Hayward, and then you draft a guy to come in, and you've got guys like Montrevious Adams who have been there for a couple years or for a year now. Chris Wormley's been there. Chris Wormley's been there for a couple years. Like, I think you'll be better. But if Tua comes back, you could take the step into elite, which is what they really have been hoping for since they brought Alu Alu in. What was it, two or three years ago? Right. That's a great. That's a good point by you. I didn't really consider that. That Alu Alu is He's much the first sure. Yeah. It just hopefully he doesn't get re-injured. If two, it comes back, that means you have all three back. Correct, and that means you have the maybe the best defensive line in football. I think it elevates, in, like, as soon as that announcement is made that he says that, hey, I'm going to be there, I'm, I'm going to play in 2022, that jumps you up to the number one defensive line. Now, the second most important part of the defense, I think it's got to be the secondary. It's a passing league. If your pressure's not getting there, which we know the Steelers' pressure is going to be getting there, kings of the sack when it comes to the NFL for the past half decade, the Steelers are. But you're going to have to make plays in the second. You're going to have to cover. And they're missing a pretty key component of that secondary with Joe Hayden leaving. I mean, this is a guy who's held it down there at the number one corner spot for, again, almost a half decade now. So you're moving parts as far as that's concerned, and you've done an okay job as far as filling out a decent squad. I mean, you've got Levi Wallace that you brought in from Buffalo, mm-hmm. guy who's got winning experience, guy who went to the AFC Championship game just a couple years ago, went to that divisional round game against the Chiefs last year, so he's played on winning football teams recently. Akella Witherspoon really kind of had a, an awakening late in the season after you traded for him with Seattle earlier. And now you finally know out. the details. He's finally in. Yep. yep, he's there. Uh, I still think they're pretty high on James Pierre, um, and I still think that Cam Sutton has a lot to prove as far as just putting him back in his right position. But in he's the slot right. and he has his there. role. Yeah, you put him in his role, and I think he's a surefire asset to you. And you got Minka, who's an All-Pro right. caliber player, so it's a decent secondary. The hole that's left at Edmonds 
because they still haven't re-signed Edmonds, and we don't know what they're going to do there. Right now it looks like Miles Killebrew would be your starting safety. That's a pretty big hole there. And just the overall general nerves of replacing corner number one, Joe Hayden, even though he's getting up there in so age. So here, here's my it question, It worries Tom. me because, like you said, they were top 12, top 10 in pass defense last year. That was you, with you those two guys on the team. You need them to carry team. over. You need that kind of performance to carry over into this season. This team, we talked about offensively, all the things they need to do, run first if they want to win. In reality, if you want to win football games, you got to be top five defensive unit if in you're the NFL. The Pittsburgh Steelers specifically as That's well. That's what I mean. For this specific team, if your unit isn't top five in pretty much almost every category – good luck as far as winning a majority of your games for the Steelers this year. It's defense first. Does it not does it make you feel any better that Joe Hayden and Terrell Edmonds are still unclaimed, unsigned? Does that give you any feeling of they could be Pittsburgh Steelers in 2022? Do you think that they would have already signed them, though, if that's the case? Or do you think that those no, two I are think, still holding I out think, and saying, well, wait until the draft's over? I think Colbert is... Are you saying... By the Steelers or by other no, no, NFL by Hayden teams? and Edmonds, like to even explore an oh. option with the Steelers, like, or do you think the Steelers just haven't even gotten it? I'm sure there's been contact between the two parties. That's just not, especially Edmonds. I feel like the Steelers would have been, if not contacting him, keeping a close tabs on the teams that are interested in him. But no, the more obviously the more time that they spend in free agency without being claimed, the more likely you'd think it would be that the Steelers can mm. cut a team friendlier deal for them both to come back. Edmonds especially, because he's younger. Right. Do you see either of them playing for the Steelers in twenty twenty two? I think Edmonds is gonna play for the Steelers. I, I have a feeling he will too. I do too. I think that Tyron Matthew was kinda like a pipe dream a little bit. Still, I've heard though, people say, like, Field Yates has said on it, like, he doesn't think he's going to get signed for a while still now. There's something up with him. Like, I don't know if it's an injury. Which is odd because he's, he's, like, the, like, he's like the only guy with and who did this in 2021 with multiple sacks, multiple interceptions, multiple fumbles. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with him. If he's the money just doesn't add up for his age. Like he's just, it's just it's a weird scenario He's still there. good, which is just weird. But I think Terrell Edmonds is going to end up back in the Steelers uniform. I think they do end up walking away from Joe Hayden, though. I think they'll draft a corner would in you, the and second you're, or third and you're, round. Not so much the player, but the position. Would you rather the Steelers get that safety or get that cornerback? Have that guy be the first sure thing. Say Terrell Emmons and Joe Hayden are equally the same age and the same talent level. At their, Cornerback's more important. I agree. But that isn't the case. Edmonds right. is much younger, and Hayden is probably past his prime now. So I think you move on from Hayden, you draft a corner. And the beauty about drafting a corner in the second or third round is he comes to training camp, he lights it up, he can start. That's great. He doesn't have to, though, because you could just roll Wallace Witherspoon on your outside and Sutton in your slot and break this rookie in slowly throughout the season. So I think it's not like a – oh, we drafted Kendrick Green in the third round, and he's going to start at center because we don't really have anybody else to play here. You can draft this corner in the third round and say, you have a chance to win a starting job if you blow us away in preseason and camp, but as we enter camp, it's Witherspoon and Wallace on the outside. You have to break in somehow. So I sure. think there's a lot of less pressure on a young rookie corner right. if they draft him. So I think it's smart to bring Edmonds back. Couple years add to your youth, add to your youth mm-hmm. as far as which is also why the Tyron Matthew thing doesn't really add up so perfectly for the Steelers because he's thirty old. years old. Yeah, it's not in the mo as far as the signings are concerned for the Steelers right now. 
My third most important position, I'm going with inside linebackers. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Because I have no worry about the outside linebackers. So it's kind of like we could have done the same thing for running backs on the offensive sit. Just said, no, put it last because there are some question marks for quarterback and receivers and O-line. But, yeah, it's it's you don't know exactly what you're going to get as your starters for your defensive line and your secondary, which is why I think we put them at one and mm-hmm. two. And if T.J. Watt's healthy – I don't want to talk about the state of the outside linebackers ever. No, he's going to have more sacks himself than most teams' outside linebacking room as a unit. Or a right? team as <laughs> yeah. a whole. Yeah, exactly. I think there were some teams that didn't get to 20 sacks. Didn't get to 20. <sighs> well, you're never going to worry about what T.J. Watt brings to the table. I guess the only thing I would say with the outside linebackers is you hope Highsmith steps sure. up. I would love a six or seven sack season from Highsmith. I think that's a really good compliment for what T.J. brings down. But... That inside linebacking room, that's my number three most important unit, and I'm more optimistic about it this year than I was last year. We kind of talked ourselves into optimism last year with Joe Schobert coming in, and oh, wow, now we don't have to start Spillane. This is great. Schobert slides into that starting role, and you've got Bush and Schobert. This is a decent inside linebacking room. I think some people were saying that with Tuit back and Alu Alu healthy, that was the best front seven of any team in the NFL. Obviously not the case, especially when it came to the inside backers. Mm-hmm. Joe Schobert, not exactly as advertised, to be fair. Devin Bush did not have the season that we all hoped he would have. Miles Jack is a completely different sure. level of player than Joe Schobert, though. He is a borderline pro bowler and I think could realize that pro bowl potential as soon as next year. So is there worry about the inside linebacking room? Of course there's worry about it, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to Bush and how he can bounce back. But I also feel more optimism than I did last year. And maybe this is, again, me just talking myself into that optimism again. But I don't think that's the case. I think it is a better room as a whole. And I think Bush is going to be healthier and better this year. So, yeah, I hope so. So I think Jack and Bush really give you a sense of optimism in that unit. And even, with, and even though there was a time right after the Miles Jack signing and before the imminent Joe Schobert sign, or release, we were saying... Really good to have a line inside linebacker core of Bush and Jack as your starters, and then Spillane and Schobert as your backups. But even with Schobert gone, Spillane is your backup. Ain't bad. No, that's a guy who's very familiar. Exactly. With the defense, I so. mean, two years ago we were saying, "Oh gosh, Robert Spillane, why do we got?" Now he's keep... almost like a veteran on this he defense. Is. Almost like a Vince Williams of sorts. Not as good. No, but no. almost like. But has that someone you trust familiarity to step in with for the team. a game yeah. if you need to? So. Yeah, they've got depth now all of a sudden at that position that they haven't had in years past. And I think that, like I said, a good sense of optimism is being felt about that unit. And then number four, like we said, the outside linebackers. I mean, it's important that they get sacks. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, it's not that important if they get pressure from the quarterback or to the quarterback. I'm just saying, do you have any doubts that as long as injuries don't happen that they're going to have success in that room Mm -hmm. getting to the Quarterback, it's the best outside linebacking. Oh, excuse me, it's the best outside linebacking <laughs> unit in football, simply because of the just one. Just because man of on one it. guy, just of one guy. The best pass rusher in the NFL, the reigning defensive player of the year, a TJ Watt. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Thanks as always for giving us a listen. We will be back again later this week with a fresh batch of episodes for you. Can't wait to do that then. But for now, he's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Opperman, and we'll talk to you guys next time.